Hey, everyone. If you like what we do, please give us a like, a follow, and a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We are everywhere. Also, make sure to share out our episodes so we can keep growing our audience. And if you can or want to, consider supporting our Patreon. That way we can keep doing what we love. And that's talking about the giant slog of anime that is the fall 2023 anime season. And now, on with the show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host for this evening. Joining me, as always, is the animation guru himself, Cameron. Howdy, howdy. And joining us once again, we've got Teresa. Hello. And we have a very super stuffed fall 2023 anime slate to go through. We have 35 titles ranging from action-adventure, comedy, the fantasy isekai, romance, and the rest. So, Cameron, where are we starting in this long and winding road? (sighs) Man, this was just a big season. I think even, I guess like all the shows total that got released this season... It was like 60 titles total, or at least around that number. And boy, howdy, if the anime industry, you know, (laughs) you got to slow down, man. Nobody's going to watch 60 shows. Anyway, we're going to talk about the action adventure category where we talk about Kamiarabi God App, Under Ninja, Shy, Undead Unluck, and Bull Buster. This one was not as bad in general of trying to categorize these shows because it seems like everywhere online no one can truly pick or point out what specific genre is what anime and what it's connected to. I am usually a fan of Yoko Taro and his work. He's the guy who did like Nier and Nier Automata and just like a bunch of video games. He's got a weird sense of humor but did we really need another battle royale anime i just did not like kamiya robbie god app i thought the cgi didn't look great the the character designs from the guy who illustrates soul eater and fire force his designs did not translate well to cgi and where can you go with battle royales that hasn't hit the ceiling at multiple points. They're all almost the same story. Under Ninja, from what I have seen online, is either the show you love or you hate because it's a weird, dry, absurd comedy action show about how ninjas are still living among everyone but are in plain sight in the most weird way possible at times especially that guy who was obsessed with breast milk. And you either vibe with it or you don't. I did not. I was waiting for it to click with me, but there was no real aspect of it, like the designs or the animation that really hooked me. And I'm always down for like weird shows. I mean, we've talked about a bunch of weird shows and we're going to mention some of them in this episode. But that's where... The weirdness did not vibe with me. Shy, on the other hand, which is about a world of superheroes, 
is an example of like why I like anime. So far, or at least with recent times, anime creators or like manga and light novel authors to a degree are not ready and willing to just jump on the bandwagon with when certain manga become big. Like we don't have five or six different Naruto's or My Hero Academia's. Our superhero anime has been very varied honestly because you have your shonen battle franchise with my hero you have your murder thriller with talentless nana and then you have all those parodies of power rangers and common rider which focus on like either a forbidden romance or a workplace comedy and shy has the distinction of following the internal hero drama of like what happens if you can't save everyone or how villains can be extremely manipulative to bystanders to make things worse and how you define yourself as a hero and what makes you great it's really good maybe not my favorite superhero based anime but i like where it's going undead unluck was going to be one of the bigger titles of the year apparently it's a very popular manga and i think it was on shonen jump and it survived cancellation because apparently a lot of titles got you know axed recently but undead unluck was able to survive kind of like our main hero (laughs) who cannot die and it doesn't start with the best foot forward a lot of the jokes about our undead hero and our unlucky heroine not the best but when you get past that first episode and the flagrant amount of nudity from our undead meathead It starts to mellow out. You get the cool world-building aspect about the union of folks who have different superpowers that are, like, unlucky, like, unsleep or what have you. It becomes better. It focuses on the characters. Heaven forbid, a new concept. (laughs) I liked their chemistry together. And by the third episode, I was definitely very much wanting to see what happens in the fourth, the fifth, and what have you. Also, a really killer opening sequence. That animation is fantastic. I mean, the animation in general for the show is super expressive. I do love how the first joke of the show is our main lead character freaking out our heroine. And she just pushes him off of the bridge that she was about to jump off of. And he just falls right in front of a train. Blood goes everywhere. And then she's freaking out because that's her power that she brings bad luck onto everyone she has physical contact with. And then he's just sitting there on like the pavement as a head being like, oh yeah, don't worry. I'm just going to regrow everything. It's very cool. I like Shonen Jump anime that have like a distinction amongst the other shows and whatever that are on there. But Bullbuster is probably my favorite of the bunch. It's basically the new generation Die Guard, where it's a mech show where the mechs are not like trying to save the world. They're just used as a means of like pest extermination to get rid of these monsters. So they don't look like Gundams or giant robo or what have you. They look like construction equipment. It's very much like I said, Die Guard or Pat Labor, where it also focuses on the business and the bureaucratic side of things. It's like, congrats, you took care of the monster. You also cost us $7,000 in property damage, and you win a few bullets over the budget for 
your weapons for this battle. So now you got to write down and sign this document. And it goes through all of the boring business stuff that most giant mech shows or anime would very much gloss over. Shows are, at the very least, even though they vary in quality, are interesting to talk about, which is even for like the weakest show, if you have something worth talking about, that puts you leagues and above all of the like shows that come out and are just nothing. Teresa, what did you think about this genre? I would say there's nothing that like truly turned me off or, or worried me about the anime industry. I would say I agree with you that Kamurabi got out. It just didn't gel with me, even though I like the idea of like this fairy on the shoulder kind of helping him figure things out. The main character is just too dumb. He makes the worst decisions repeatedly in the first two episodes where I was like, I, I can't anymore. But as a whole, I thought the genre was, you know, promising. I always secretly root for the action adventure category and hoping this is the time when it's like all of them are going to rock and like be amazing. I didn't quite get there, but I think it was better than last season for sure. I would say my main complaint is just when the perk attack, and this is for any genre, but the they're just too boring or too annoying. Like the firefighter one, I wanted to love it. I'd rather watch an episode of Chicago Fire. That's how good <laughs> And that's saying something. Um, I just, I wanted to like Daigo, but I was like, I don't want any more training montages or them doing squats. I just, I like the lady firefighter. Can you make the whole show about her? Then I yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I forgot to mention about that one because it's a sequel series yeah. to to a previous yeah. show, which I didn't know about that. That show did not do a good job advertising that. It was like yeah. the follow up. And yeah. Exactly. Because it's boring. Yep. <laughs> um, doesn't even want to talk about that it's a follow-up that's how boring it is and i like ninjas under ninja grew on me by the third episode it did take till the third episode i was very confused i like what they're saying it's like anyone could be a ninja but the breast milk guy really confused me and under ninja if you watch it you'll know what i mean I like the idea of, you know, like they're on an assignment and there's like a crime song and there's this underlying of like ninja nations that you have to figure out. I just felt like it went very slowly in the first episode, but that's all right. But I would say my favorites were Shy. I thought she's so shy and so cute and personable. I thought that was the best animation of all of them. It just really captured kind of like how it's a, a world without war. And it's just very superhero kind of signifiers they're really going through with like the posters and their outfits and those kind of characters. And I know I like subverting the superhero trope in, in most things. Um, And I think it had something to say about, you know... You can't save everyone. And heroes are people too. So I thought, you know, the overlying message was like not too heavy handed. It had something to say, but it wasn't like completely depressing like some other shows. Like I just felt like Kamarabi was like so doom and gloom. I was like, I'm just not going to, I can't watch this for another three episodes. Kamarabi yeah. also had like a bad power system because it never made sense. And the main <laughs> character's ability was really yeah. OP. You can't make that character have such a nonsense power and then be like give that other guy the uh, the one with the sharp teeth i can stop time i could have done this at any time but the writing stunned yeah, me because there's a lot of plot holes 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, totally. why did he bring that girl back to the? I mean, he obviously likes her, but I'm just like, it doesn't. I don't know where it's going, and I decided by the second one, I don't think I care. If you like battle royale stuff and people with powers fighting each other to the death, that is a show for you, but not for me. Said undead unluck grew on me. I like the union of these negators. I like the idea of. People who negate, you know, other powers come, you know, sent after someone. And, you know, there's a lot of action because they're always fighting, trying to get into the union and figuring out what that is. So I thought that was great. Bullbuster, I did like. It was kind of technical <laughs> with the, what are we going to name our company? And that kind of stuff. I know they're kind of doing it to show the characters how they interact with each other. But I got a little bored in the first episode. But I would definitely keep watching that show. So, I mean, I feel like it was... Overall, a strong genre if you like action adventure. And yeah, definitely Bullbuster, Under Ninja, and Shy would be like the ones I would keep watching. I think for me, Bullbuster, Undead Unluck, and Shy would be the ones I chose to recommend out of that genre. Mike, what about you? Boy, this genre was just kind of all over the place. Luckily, the only one that I actively disliked was kamiurabi Godap. i think i might have seen just too many battle royale anime and this one was just it was just not doing it for me not that it's like the worst in terms of 3d animation it's just these specific designs didn't necessarily translate also the power system made absolutely no sense under ninja i see what they're going for i just couldn't quite get onto the show's wavelength i understand that like not every show about ninjas can be something like Naruto. But at the same time, I would also just like to go back to just classic ninjas instead of having only subversions. It's not terrible. I can see it working for someone and it not working for others. Firefighter Daigo. I think I was the one who pointed out that this was a sequel <laughs> anime to a manga that only had like one 45-minute TV movie from 20 years ago that nobody remembers. It's a weird one to revisit. And unlike the first Slam Dunk, which is a fantastic anime film, again, based on a more old school manga, but while that one did a better job of introducing new fans to a classic property, this one just kind of exists. Although I agree with what Teresa said about the girl, She's probably the best character of all of them. I guess I'm not too much of a hater on that show. I thought it was fine. I just liked the first episode until I realized it was a sequel series. And then I was like, oh, never mind. I, I don't want to watch this if I can't watch the uh, the original show or TV film or whatever. And I understand that it wanted to focus on more of the realistic side of firefighting. But then maybe don't open your show, which what looked like Godzilla just ran rampant through that city, man. <laughs> yeah. What even happened in that first episode to spark this? But out of the this bunch, I'd say the ones that I would go back to are Undead Unluck. While some of the jokes in that first episode may not exactly hold up, I did like the camaraderie that formed between our two protagonists. The action and the animation behind this is just, it's too entertaining not to want to see more of the shenanigans these two find themselves wrapped up in. But the two best ones out of this bunch are Shy. It's a very, like, inspiring take on the superhero genre. Kind of one of those shows that proves that 
no, it's not superhero fatigue that's the problem. It's you have to find the right story and the right characters to get behind. And I do think the main protagonist here is like probably one of the most relatable ones that I've seen out of this entire season. And then mm-hmm. Bullbuster, I called it a blue collar mecha anime. Like you said, Cameron, it's not saving the world Gundam style. It's something more down to earth. Like these are pest control. And most of the drama comes from the bureaucratic stuff of running a business. The action genre was definitely way better this season. And yeah, we're being very vague about how Under Ninja handles its tone. Let's just say this. If you're down for a supposed Russian ninja coming to Japan to kill ninjas and just blatantly asking the help center, where are the ninjas located? And has like one of those katana combos and acting like a total dork about it while everyone responds in like super dry responses. Stephen Wright, the comedian who had like that super, a spilled spot remover on my dog and now he's gone. It's interesting when we discuss these genres, how we all generally have the same opinion because it gets a lot tougher when we go into the fantasy isekai genre where we have way more shows. But the problem becomes because of how, like, there's more of an opportunity for there to be good shows when you have a wider pool to choose from. But there's a lot of garbage in the fantasy isekai genre, and I don't know why it is so hard to not do these same mistakes over and over again. A playthrough of a certain dude's VR MMO life Sounds like a fun idea. It's not following the players wanting to beat the main game. It's about a guy who just wants to chill after a long day of work and just do basic stuff. Too bad the show really just forces our main character to get more involved with the game, which I feel like contradicts the entire idea of what he's trying to do. Like, he doesn't want to be the main character, but he's slowly becoming the main character for some reason. Butareba... It's probably my biggest disappointment of the season. An izakai where a guy is reincarnated after eating some raw pig liver, because you're just kind of a stupid person for doing that, is reincarnated into a new fantasy world where he is a pig, metaphorically and literally. And I'm sure the journey is he becomes less of a metaphorical pig, but... He is such a creepy little character. The agency around our female lead is just kind of weird and awkward because she is very much down for the pig verbally harassing her, but not in a like consensual kinky way. It's more just like this person's uncomfortable, but has to deal with it. And it's like, no, no. I mean, the pig design is cute. That's pretty much it. And apparently it is not doing well viewership-wise. I checked the Anime News Network uh, viewership rankings, and Butareba was nowhere to be found. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious to know how well it's actually doing. A Returner's Magic Should Be Special is a not an izakai in a direct sense. It's a time travel anime where our main character goes back 10 years after a failure to kill this demonic 
demon dragon king goes awry and is now in the past and has to work his way back to making sure they don't make the same mistakes again. And this is our first manhwa adaptation of the Hmm. season. I wish people could set up dynamics between characters in wealthier positions in life and like blue collar middle of the road or poor without the constant need for characters who are rich and a part of high society to be like, I don't care about these poor people. These poor people suck. Why can't they just die? And it's like after this whole year with the strike and Zaslav being like, you know what what they're asking? It's just too unrealistic. As I sit here at a hunting retreat for billionaires. Why is the dialogue so constant? It's like the jock from the Revenge of the Nerds movies. Yes. Just being like constantly yelling poor people. There's a poor person like almost every five minutes. And it got so grating. I stopped caring about whatever characters dynamics were being built up because the writing is so terrible. The animation doesn't even look that great and the designs are just whatever. The Kingdom of Ruins. Apparently this is another one where you either love it or just deeply despise it or your patience for it to stay good is dropping. (laughs) Content warning. A lot of sexual violence and just violence towards women in general in this one. A lot of violence in general. This one is just try hard with its world building and it's going the extra mile to try to be as mean, as miserable, and as hateful as possible. It's an interesting setup with a world that's now wholly reliant on technology when it used to be reliant on witches and magic. But now, for reasons, everyone hates witches and any that are caught are killed. I gave it like five episodes because I wanted something to start clicking about it. And it never happened. It was just so exhausting to sit through. Berserk of Gluttony is just whatever. It's an edgy anime that does the whole, I have a sucky power ability, but it's apparently super good and I can become God mode with it. And I have to bring this up because I freaking hate this plot point. The main character goes and buys a sword. Okay. The sword vendor's like, hey, you can take this crappy one that's in this barrel. They don't cost much. But since the main character can identify the the quality of the sword, and it just so happens to be a super powerful talking sword, that sword vendor should be fired or have his license to sell anything taken away. How do you not notice you have a talking sword? <laughs> in. Uh, maybe it just had nothing good to say to it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, at least it doesn't go as try-hard as the Kingdoms of Ruin, but it's just boring fantasy stuff where everyone's a scumbag except for this one person, this special lady who the main character likes because of whatever. I Shall Survive Using Potions is not better than most Isekai. 
I'd say it's kind of in the middle in terms of what we've seen so far this year. But at least it fast tracks a lot of the Isekai tropes to like get to the stuff that we want to see, even though I think it goes too fast and doesn't leave a good impression of the world or its characters because you spend about five minutes solving a problem with a potion and then you're off to the next location and batch of characters you encounter. But I did like the whole opening bit of just like the main character saying like, okay, this is an Izakai situation. Let me get these bullet points down so I can have an amazing ability, a laid back life. I can look pretty and young and let me go say goodbye to my friends and parents. And the parents are just like, eh, life happens. (laughs) Probably the most supportive parents are like, yeah, yeah, you died, but at least you're going to a fantasy world. Bye. My daughter left a nest and returned as an S-rank adventurer. Not my favorite either, but I do like the father-daughter dynamic. For the three episodes I watched, I thought their dynamic, like they actually loved each other, like a father and daughter relationship that was healthy. But it was really weird how the show just did not want them to be together, to get back together. They just kept delaying the inevitable of them reunited with one another. And the characters aren't strong enough for that pace to be worth it, but I kind of want to see what happens next. And the heroine can be a lot of fun. Just how comically obsessed she is with her dad and how work keeps getting in the way, just like real life, of wanting to spend quality times with your loved ones. Uh, the Demon Sword Master of Excalibur Academy, I'm not going to say it feels like an AI wrote this because screw those comments. I hate critics using that when they can just say it was not a well-written story. It feels like a grab bag of like, we have fantasy elements. We got reincarnation, Isekai. We got future stuff. And we got harem stuff. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the characters, the magic, the world, the side characters just anything about this show ragna crimson is another one of those high dive shows like high dive got a lot of the same types of shows this season it's also a contender for edgiest fantasy show and it's because of just how much violence and hate there is in the world that it sets up but i do like the dynamic between our lead characters and the new dragon character that they meet about two or three episodes in i think the action is pretty good all things considered i do not like that some of the design aesthetics are feel more european and modern like when they first face down that dragon king guy i was sitting there like look at all this fantasy equipment and this guy has a suit and tie but with like dragon armor on it it's like okay whatever but i did Enjoy it. Maybe not enough to keep up with it, but I want to see how they build up this dark fantasy world with like this hatred towards dragons and see what happens. It's also kind of interesting how this like younger female lead that we start with, I think just kind of leaves the show after the second episode so she can like become stronger, which I thought was an interesting story twist because I was expecting her to die because shows like love doing stuff like that where they kill off this 
lovable young kid character because they want to show you how edgy and dark it is. But the two I had the most fun with were Shangri-La Frontier, where it's about a gamer who actually acts like a gamer and is in a story that understands gamers and video games, where all he played or had fun playing were like really terrible RPGs and VR MMOs that were apparently intentionally designed badly or just, you know, had a shoestring budget and way too much ambition on their minds. So he decides to play this new game and realizes that his athletic abilities and reflexes translate differently into this super polished game where he's a little stronger than the other players, but he's not God mode strong. He still struggles and has challenges. He can't use his terrible video game experience knowledge for a lot of the things that this show throws at our main character. And I really like that. It's also got a lot of good action, probably some of the best set pieces and animation. I also just love the fact that our main character is just running around with a bird mask on at all times. It's like someone described it. It's the let me solo her player from Elden Ring fame who all he wore was like a giant pot on his head, two katanas, and like nothing else, and just took down one of the hardest bosses in the game. That's our main character. And it's just a lot of fun. I very much enjoyed it. But my favorite show of the fantasy Isekai genre, probably my favorite show of the season next to The Apothecary Diaries and Overtake, is Free Run Beyond Journey's End. Which sets us up in a fantasy world. No Isekai, no VR MMOs, no game stuff. Pure, unadulterated fantasy. Which is so, it shouldn't be refreshing, but it's so nice. The story sets us up basically at the end of where most anime would end their run with Killing the Demon Lord. But we're set here after that with a post quest storyline of basically our spell casting elf like does not get the concept that time moves differently for non-elves for human characters life is over in the blink of an eye but for her it's just life this also might have the best first episode of the season it could be its own cut off short story about how life and time is fleeting So get to know and love the ones that you're close with because that whole scene where they bury the main hero is excruciatingly heartbreaking. I cried a little and whether you watch it with the sub or the dub, probably the best cast either way of the season or like one of the best casts and how it just moves on with following our character who has to take care of this young spellcaster and a fighter is so captivating. The creators and the people in charge of the anime made sure to focus that like they knew, hey, the character writing is the most important part of this show. So we have to really focus on that. And it really sucks that this was the first show I watched of the season. And then it was just kind of downhill from there. It was like a fight for second place (laughs) for everyone else. 
Teresa, what did you think about this meaty genre of anime? Yeah, there's so many. Where to start? Besides getting over the fact that there's just there's just too many anime, I just feel like they're not learning, you know, from previous seasons of why does it have to be this way? But when it's good, just like you were talking about Fury and like it can be amazing, can blow you away. And it's so moving. So I really went with low expectations, but then I when I find you know, like a di- I called it a diamond in the rough. There are some diamonds in there and they're amazing. I would say my thing now that I look for in the isekai are when are they going to cook something? Because that's when I'm going to get excited. And those are like my favorite parts of those shows now. I definitely love the subplot and the VRMMO show. I was real bored. But then when he had to keep making rabbit steaks for everyone, I was like, now I'm entertained. And now I can watch the show. Another episode. By the way, the main character in that VR MMO anime apparently breaks the game's economy multiple times because the developers had no time during production or playtests thought that would happen. It also made the characters come off as way more ignorant to certain aspects of the game itself. The same thing with El Survivor making potions. She kind of cheats with soy sauce and kind of stays in there. I just feel like, okay, that's something I can love about the show. So there are things about the isekai that I really like. For me, I like Kingdom of Ruin, but I only watched three episodes. So maybe it does go downhill, but that was definitely one of my favorites. I like the daughter who left the nest and returned in S-Rank because I just love what they were doing with kind of genre expectations and like the whole party were women and she's just so good at her job that she can't get time off, which I can relate to personally, as I had to work all weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. So I just thought that was cute. And I just really liked that she loves her dad so much and she wants to see him. Shangri-La Frontier as well. I I thought it was pretty good. I was confused. I was like, where's the Shangri-La? But then when he started playing the game, I kind of came around to it. But I will have to say the worst goes to Budareba just from the jump. I didn't like the monologue that this pig was doing and the Jess is just an airhead and I just, I can't get behind it. And I, I want them to do better, do better with all of that dialogue. It's just a, it's a no for me at all times. And then the rest is just, they're just kind of, they didn't grab me usually because of poor writing. The returner's magic I wanted to like, and I feel like maybe if I stuck it out longer past episode three, maybe I could get behind it, but I, there were a lot of characters and trying to remember how they connect back to the future. I was very confused in the first episode with the time back jump. So maybe isn't for me, um, but it could be for you if you like that sort of thing. But definitely there's just too many shows and I I don't know if they can keep sustaining this. So I just feel like the ones that, you know, stick through and that we want to, the ones that really grip me are usually when they're doing something subversive, like we said, with like last season, the vending machine. So like the, my daughter left the nest. Like I need to see like some kind of twist on it. It can't just be another demon sword master with this like smart ass little kid going to academy who knows everything. Like that's just been done and done so many times. I will say that the Ragna Crimson, I want to like it. There are things about it that are a little unique, but it definitely was retreading a lot of the road 
that I've seen other isekais do, but I, I do want to love it. But definitely the cream of the crop was Furin beyond journeys in. I just think it's so smart to have, you know, someone who's immortal teamed up with someone who she's connected to from her original party and just seeing the world and kind of replaying that the whole search with the blue flowers was beautiful. I just love that whole episode. If you love Isekai, I mean, maybe you're having the time of your life with all of these ones, but I would say definitely the, the, the ones that I wouldn't recommend, even if you like Isekai, would be the Berserk of Gluttony. I just thought there was so much talk about his points and things like that. And the lead was just not very exciting, even though he gets this power. He just, he feels like he's just a cookie cutter to talk about powers. And then the people who are evil are just really way too exaggerated. And there's just no fun happening. And I just don't want to watch it. I think some of these shows need to remember that it's entertainment. And we need to have some kind of fun. But yeah, that's what I thought about this very big category. Before we go to Mike, I just want to say that I forgot that Butareba had so much inner monologue. I remember a couple of times where I just wanted to say, shut up, (laughs) shut up, shut up, (laughs) like stop talking or else I'm going to cut you up into pork belly and that will be the end of the show. Yeah. Mike, what did you think about this beefy genre? So while Teresa was talking, I was doing a, a count of how many shows were in this genre. I counted 11. That is way too much for A, a season that has 35 new shows that were debuting. And also just, this is the genre where no matter how many diamonds in the rough there are, we still have to wade through a lot of muck to get to them. The muckiest of the bunch were a playthrough of a certain dude's VRMO life, which was about as entertaining as not even a let's play, just sitting in your friend's house, watching them play some generic fantasy video game. Like there's just not really a lot of entertainment value. Conversely, the better of the two VR MMO centric shows was Shangri-La Frontier. And if you watch the English dub, Eric Vale voices the main character, and it sounds like he's just having the time of his life playing Sunraku. Everyone is having a blast with that dub. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's everything you want out of an anime that focuses on VR games. And it reminds you that video games are supposed to be fun. Then we have the two try-hard, edgy fantasy shows like The Kingdoms of Ruin, which I honestly felt like I had to take a shower after watching those first three episodes because it's just kind of gross, the amounts of violence and sexual violence towards women. It's not very fun to watch at all. Berserk of Gluttony like by comparison, isn't that bad, but it's still just par for the course with all of the trope of like light novels and and other fantasy shows. Also, our protagonist's name is Fate Graphite. I, I got nothing else after that. The other shows are of various qualities. I did like I Shall Survive using potions just enough because they do their best to avoid dragging out all the cliches and 
while yes, the pacing can be a bit chaotic, it's like the show has its lead foot stuck on the gas pedal because our protagonist can't stay in one place for more than five minutes. The character herself, I think, is entertaining enough that I could keep going if I wanted to. The Demon Sword Master of Excalibur Academy. We've seen shows like this before. Out of a season of 35 new shows, you don't have to make this one priority. Getting into the more of the ones that I actually enjoyed, I like the father-daughter relationship in My Daughter Left the Nest and Returned and S-Rake Adventure. Kind of remind me a little bit of An American Tale, where Fievel and and his family are trying trying to reconnect, but everything is getting in their way, which made that first episode a bit repetitive, but also still like understandable how she just wants to go home, but work keeps getting in the way. And then in the next two episodes, we really get to understand the bond that these two share. Ragna Crimson is, again, similar to the other sort of edgier fantasy shows. It is hyper-violent, but starts to get a little bit more of a playful tone in the next two episodes, especially once Ragna meets Crimson. And their dynamic is just all the chaos. I think we can all agree the best one of these is Free Rin. And if I'm comparing a show like Free Rin to Violent Evergarden, that's when you know it's doing something right. Man, it's just like if you're going to keep making fantasy shows or you want to make a fantasy series or whatever, it always is going to come down to writing and characters. If you can make it compelling, if you can make the characters likable or memorable, and not just go the route of the most pandering otaku nonsense ever, you can make something amazing. Like, maybe it's not super fair that Free Ren was going to be one of the best shows ever because the manga it was based on was already really, really good. But, you know... That's because the the author and the creatives were able to make it good. Produced by Madhouse. Yeah, that too. And one of the few anime that apparently didn't have a bad production cycle. MAPPA. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no. That was not fun reading all that MAPPA news. But <laughs> I'd rather discuss the MAPPA stuff than with one of the shows we are about to talk about in romance. Because while not as big as the others, it's a good diagram of what makes a really good romance anime and what makes a terrible one. By the way, did anyone have the harem anime as their, oh, this is actually the best show from this category (laughs) on their bingo card? Because I was... Not ready for that, because when you start out with a girl and her guard dog and the creepy possessive age gap romance of it all, your expectations are set so low. Even James Cameron cannot raise the bar high enough to give you optimism and hope, because no line and no story bit, no matter about any of these other shows, as bad as they can be, is as terrible as the bodyguard to our teenage character saying, you grew into a body I like. Ew! 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 
and this is between a 15 year old and a 26 year old mm. like romance and if i heard anyone say that to me i would have called the freaking cops on them put mm. them on a watch list no that's not romantic and i get that some authors want to poke and prod with forbidden romances and all that stuff but you know unless you're going to pull an after the rain situation where it's a very one-sided romance the age gap romance is going to be the creepiest and the worst show of the season it was like that way back in i think spring 2021 where it was between a 17 year old and a 30 year old man This could have been, like, not creepy. It could have been about the guard dog realizing that he needs to not be so overprotective of our main character. But the fact that he has known this main character since she was, like, five? Yeah. That makes it creepy. And when you have those lines and how overprotective he is, you can do as many wacky shenanigans as possible but it's not going to fix anything like in comparison i'm giving the disgraced noble lady i rescued a crash course in naughtiness might have the most misleading title of any anime this season because you think it would be like an etchy slightly bordering on porn show but it's not naughtiness is used in the context of this girl had a terrible life And me, this all-powerful wizard, is going to make sure she has a wonderful life that was not given to her. And at first, I was kind of down with this show. It was cute. I liked our dynamic between our main characters. And our main character did not try to hit on the heroine. But then after a while, it just kind of felt like the heroine had no agency. Because... She was like, oh, I guess I'll do whatever that you guys think would be good for me. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it's cute. I don't know if I'd go back and fully watch the series, but you can do so much worse. We just talked about what is possibly the worst show of the season. Our dating story, I was kind of rooting for this one because I like the idea of a show tackling romance tropes and just, like, Things that would happen. Like how our female lead thinks that, oh, I'll go out with this guy because he wants sex and that's the end all be all. Because that's how men look at me. And it's like, that's a very unhealthy way, like relationship and just like view of oneself. The show is not interesting enough. The writing's not like compelling enough to make our very bland leads entertaining or memorable i feel like i've just seen these characters before we've seen like the vibrant popular girl falls in love with or gets into a relationship with the bland milk toads guy i commend what it's trying to do with showing and building up a healthy relationship between the two it's just not very interesting on the other hand The 100 girlfriends who really, 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 really love you is the most chaotically unhinged harem anime I have seen this year. It doesn't just say we're going to go to 11. We're not just going to do the basic harem romance tropes. We're going to shoot for the stars and just crank everything into overdrive. 
all because our main character who has been declined a girlfriend a hundred different times goes to this shrine and the god of love there accidentally gives him 100 potential love interests because he was watching castle in the sky and when writing 100 into the request form to give this main character a love interest put the 100 there so he's just like hey listen it was an accident i was watching castle in the sky that's a 100 out of 100 movie i wrote the 100 in the number of love interests that you would like deal with it Bye. It's like, I don't get paid enough to be the god of love (laughs) to fix this. But then you watch the girls. They do fall into their own archetypes and what have you. I mean, there's going to be a a hundred of them. You're going to have to uh, pace it out and make sure you make every individual interesting. But they go so far with some of these characters. It's so chaotic. It's like, what if you took a Tex Avery Looney Tunes energy and just gave every character that energy. And, but they also do the thing that most harem animes forget to do and make the bonds between the girls actually interesting. If you're going to be a harem, why not let the other girls bond with one another and not just be like, man, I'm thinking about the boys D this whole time they are willing to actually hang out and be friends or by this recent episode may actually be in a relationship with one another. So it's just like, I'm not usually a harem anime guy. We usually dunk on these because they're terrible, but here it's like, I was laughing. The dialogue was witty. Where is all of this energy when anyone makes a harem anime? (laughs) Oh, well, Uh, Teresa, what did you think about this? romance genre i was rooting for them and they let me down again definitely a step down from last season where i think there were some gems i i wanted to like them but just yeah the girl and her guard dog just until he says his age i was like almost on board and then when he says he was 26, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Also, he's smoking in his school multiple times and it's like a joke. No, it's just like not funny. I like that he's overprotective and he cares about her and he like puts on his little apron, but it just goes too far. The longing looks start. I was like, I got to get out of this episode. I can't anymore. I'm giving the disgraced noble lady I rescued a crash course in naughtiness. I like a demon lord. He's not really a demon lord. Everyone just thought he was. Is a softy angle. I think that's like a funny kind of twist on things. I like, you know, their dynamic when Aruka, the sister, shows up and they have their little naughty competition. Um, I will give you that she's a little bit of a cardboard character, the main character. I just think she hasn't seen enough of the world. She's just been beaten on by the world. She doesn't have much character yet. I hope for that one. I wanted to like our dating story as well. I was there until she literally was like, we're going to have sex now. And he was like, no, but I could have. Maybe I should have what he says by himself. And that's when I was like, you lost me. You lost me. I would watch another couple episodes. It's not offensive. I want her to love herself more 
I do like that she's a little just like, not the sleeping with me part, but she's just like, I date people to find out if I like them. And I'm like, that's kind of how it's supposed to be. And I was like, that's kind of sweet. I didn't like the boob shots in that show, but it is an anime thing. So I let it go. The 100 Girlfriends, I like it. I don't know if I'll keep watching it. I'm, I'm not a harem anime girl. The, most of them are bad. But this one, is, it's cute. I like their whole first kiss mishap with the Pocky. Like, I didn't even know what that was. It took me like, what are they trying to do? But I thought it was cute. I think it's a little extreme that they're going to die if they don't get with. And I know there's more to go. So I'm confused how they'll keep going to 100. But it's cute. I like the matchmaker daddy. I thought I thought it was a good premise. Maybe they should have just done like 20. A hundred's a better number. It's more entertaining. But I started thinking too logically on it in the first episode. And then I said, let me just think about these two girls that are here. And the third episode was like a love letter to my heart with the book girl. She doesn't know how to talk. She just knows how to talk about her books. So I just thought that was super sweet, like the whole episode. But they don't really show the other girls in that episode very much, which is why I liked it. But, you know, if you want some kind of almost like junior high romancing, pretty innocent antics, I think the show is doing a good job. As a whole, it's pretty sad, this category. I can only, with good conscience, tell people to watch The Course in Naughtiness and The 100 Girlfriends. The other one, our, our Dington is inoffensive, but the most offensive one, of course, is A Girl and Her Guard Dog. And I really wanted to like it. And they just ruined it and made it gross. Mike, what did you think? Absolutely the worst of this genre, but also probably the season, A Girl and Her Guard Dog. Literally, they could have avoided all of the mess if either... The bodyguard was like either related to our protagonist or was not trying to groom her in any sort of fashion. But they went in that direction and then they tried to have some sort of comedic tone in the first episode before things got too melodramatic later on. And yeah, just the whole premise of this being like some sort of rom-com is just gross and I do not condone it. Everything else was either okay to I cannot believe how much I love this. I'm giving the disgraced noble lady I rescued a crash course in naughtiness is yeah not a great title but it's a fun sweet little fantasy slice of life romp. I like the kind of contrast between our main protagonists, the demure Charlotte Evans and the aloof Alan Crawford. Their dynamic is fun. I like the other characters that they introduce in the second and third episodes. Our dating story, you know, it's cute. The relationship between our two characters is, it's sweet, but there are probably better examples of anime with similar premise i think the one that comes to mind for me is what was it shikamori is not just a cutie yeah that one just does a better job of what i think this was trying to do absolutely the gem of the season and i don't think any of us saw it coming the 100 girlfriends who really 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 love you i think it's just because this show just has a completely unhinged sense of humor for me the best kind of rom-coms are the ones that 
either find the right balance between the romance and the humor, or they choose one over the other. And this one shows comedy, cranked up to like 22. They just let the insanity happen. For that, I am very happy. I especially love that it's because the love god was too busy watching my personal favorite Ghibli movie, said like, oh yeah, 100, but accidentally wrote that in Rentaro's soulmate box, and that's what caused all of this. Yeah, I wouldn't say any of these would be my... The 100 Girlfriends one is better than, like, My Happy Marriage or some of the other romance anime we've talked about, like Horamiya, but it has a personality, and that's more than you can say about most harem or romance anime. Honestly, our dating story kind of reminded me of that one anime we talked about, I think, last fall season. Or maybe it was this year. I don't know. Anime seasons blend together now. It was like, we're going out, but we're not, like, as a couple, but we're not lovers. It was about the one where it's just like, students are going to live together in a creepy, not well-thought-out roommate situation oh yeah i remember that where we were like kind of on board with it but then you kind of think about it more and it just doesn't work because the main character literally looks like her like the main girl from that show and has like the same story problems that she suffers from at the beginning and this is a problem when anime just has a identity problem sometimes where so many shows just blend together and unfortunately that goes with our comedy category because a few of them are pretty funny and great and are able to stand out but most are not the kawago boys sing feels like a multimedia anime project where the game it was supposed to be based on into a cell got canceled and then we got this anime but all we get is a very clunky not all that interesting show about putting together a boys choir and the characters aren't all that fascinating. The conductor is creepy, which is kind of the joke of the first episode where it's just like, Hey, you boys come with me. And it's like, no, but I did like the guy who wears like the kiss army makeup. When you meet him in the third episode, I like that character But the music, the animation, and the writing were not good enough to want to see what else happens. Because it's an original anime, which is disappointing. But you know what else was an original anime? Healer Girls. And that Mm. just had amazing animation, good writing, and good singing. This is like the exact opposite of that show. The vexations of a shut-in vampire princess almost worked for me i was ready to love this because it's about a vampire princess who now must become heir to the throne but is not super strong among her vampire lineage so she has to manipulate and bs her way to the top in a world where there are constant clans in battle that all kill each other but at the end of the day all come back to life it's like the ralph wolf and sam sheepdog looney tune shorts were about war instead of you know a wolf and a sheepdog working together because they're just like we're going to go in battle they die they come back to life Eh, oh well 
next Tuesday. Okay, see you then. It's a show that's a little too interested in molesting our lead and showing off how cute she looks, even though she has like a childlike body, especially with the maid who is just like, I got to be next to you. No, you don't. It's the writing that hampers this show. And I know some people really like this show. And if you do, that's fine. But outside of the world building, no one dies aspect, I could care less. The family circumstances of the irregular witch is also one where I feel like writing and execution don't quite work for me. I liked the mother and adopted daughter or dynamic but so many sex jokes that didn't land. The funniest thing was not like anything about the bond that the two share, but the Phoenix familiar. Best character of the show. Argue for probably the best character of the season. But <laughs> I mean, it was fine. I wish I liked the characters more. And it Tear Moon Empire is a another time travel anime we got two of them in this category about how our lead is a spoiled rich brat ends up in a french revolution situation where she is beheaded but is sent back what 10 or so years or to learn to not be a terrible person and i liked this one i mean it's not my favorite show or anything i wouldn't say it's the best or the funniest show of the season. But I liked the progress and story that our character goes through of changing to be less of a royal brat and more be a decent human being. And the cast revolving around her, which includes her maid and the other folks that she goes to this academy with, work for me. I thought it was a very rock-solid anime. Stardust Telepath is our one girl love anime of the season. It has a silly little setup about a young either high school or junior high student who feels alone in the world and wishes that she could bond with an alien. And then the next day at her school, a girl shows up and she's like, hey, I come from outer space. Do you think you can help me leave this planet? And it slowly starts to be about helping this girl. It's like a coming-of-age comedy where she's learning to be more social, more open, and make friends, which includes your normal high school individuals, but also like a mechanic who helps them with their rocket experiments. And the animation and the writing definitely help this one stand out more than the others though the other time travel anime of this genre 16-bit sensation another layer which i almost took off the list because it's a pseudo retelling sequel of the manga about a girl who works at a low budget terrible game company where they have to make like erotic visual novels to stay afloat but wants to make those really cool and interesting erotic games from back in the day is sent back to Japan in 1992 and starts working at a studio that's making them. And 
the main character is goofy, but she's compelling and is driven. And when the twist happens where she can go back in time to the future or the past via the video games that she picked up at this mysterious store, I was interested to see what was going to happen next. Though, if you want the two best comedies of the season, I'm in love with the villainous is basically take all the villainous visual novel animes that come out and shove some Looney Tunes energy into there because it is funny. It is entertaining about how much our lead is obsessed with our villainous and just how she is not halted by any means or challenge that gets in her way for her to send her love towards the villainous. But it also makes sure that that's not the only thing you're watching this show for. It's not just antics and shenanigans. It builds up the character dynamics and relationships where our villainess finally kind of gets over the fact that she has to deal with a Bugs Bunny-like entity. But my favorite is my new boss is Goofy. Because while it is a co- a workplace comedy about how our main character's new boss is, well, Goofy... It's also a anime about recovering from workplace trauma, where our main character did work at a terror company for a monstrous boss who abused him verbally and physically. So it's a journey of self-recovery with the help of his boss, who is not the sharpest tool in the shed. Teresa, what did you think about this category? Well, the strongest category, which surprised me for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I just have low expectations for the comedy category. I did wonder if some of these, if they remembered that it was supposed to be a comedy. I know you said you liked Tear Moon Empire, but opening up with a guillotine was not very funny because I was kind of like, is this the right category? I did like her making friends with the people who you know, she should have treated nicer and kind of learning from her mistakes. But part of me, maybe it's just the modern part of me, was just like, it's a little disingenuous. I feel like she's just using her hindsight to kind of save her own skin, which I guess, fair. If that's the least she can learn, then I feel like we did enough. But I really, like some of my favorites of the whole season were definitely in this category. I really liked the family circumstances of the irregular witch, the phoenix won me over. They made her a little too sexy, I think, adopted witch. But I do like the mom and adopted daughter's, you know, dynamic. I want to watch more of those episodes. I love a, a witch magic anime, no matter what. And I'm in love with the villainous was actually very funny. 16-bit sensation. I don't know if I would quite call it a comedy, but I thought it was fun. I like that time travel angle because i feel like she's just running around complaining that she has no power in her ipad and like you know trying to figure out how to exist in this time frame and honestly the funniest but most understated was my new boss's goofy i just thought the drawing that he makes in the first episode or, or maybe it was the second episode to kind of cheer him up i just thought that was so unexpected and sweet and how he kind of it's a running joke that he misinterprets and kind of is too literal. I don't know if I'd call that goofy, but I thought it was sweet in the show. 
the number one winner for me in terms of just overall show and one of the ones that's in my top five is Stardust Telepath. I just thought the animation was just really cute with kind of the stars and her kind of making that wish. And then, you know, we see the shooting star and that's obviously the spaceship of her classmate. I like that they're kind of hanging out in this lighthouse and it has a secret room and they're building rockets together like... I just really like that coming of age of like building something together. And I just thought it was really sweet. The ones that disappointed me were the vampire one. I wanted to like it. I like the immortal kind of resurrection bit, but the writing wasn't there. And it's very weird with her kind of in bed, kind of showing skin. And the maid is just coming on way too strong, just too strong. And the cowboy boys and the shower scene, once that happened, I was like, this is a no for me. I don't like the show. I want to like it, but he's just too weird and inappropriate for me to keep watching. I kind of feel like they have to know what it sounds like. Um, so that's that's what I thought about this category. Mike, what did you think? I kind of have to agree with Teresa in that comedy probably had the strongest quality of shows. Yeah, the, my two biggest disappointments are the vexations of a shut-in vampire princess and Kawagoe Boys Sing. The latter disappointed me more because I am a pretty easy lay for anime about music, but this one just, it just didn't have the sauce. Our main protagonist is very much a creep, and it was hard to sort of root for him until the third episode when things finally start to come together and also we meet the guy with the kiss makeup but in between that it yeah very much a slog to get through and then vexations of a shun vampire princess i don't think tonally they really knew what they wanted this show to be and also all of the sexual harassment beats with like the main protagonist and the maid were like, yeah, that got old after the first time they did it. It's probably not like the worst show I've seen. It's just there isn't really enough to keep me watching. Whereas everything else, everything else has something there for the family circumstances of the irregular witch. We have the Phoenix who just is one of the silliest designs I've seen for a familiar but he's also just the best character of that show. Then Tear Moon Empire, again, kind of like what Teresa said, I you don't think this show is going to be a comedy with the way it starts with a guillotine, but then you sort of understand what our princess Mia Luna Tear Moon is going through when she reverts back to her 12-year-old self and has the chance to basically start things over you start to see a bit more of the comedic angle and the show starts to work from there. 16-bit sensation, another layer. If you are a fan of Bishoujo games or just you have a passion for video game development and also retro technology from the 90s, yeah, I could totally see you getting into this one, even though the rules of its time travel are very strange. And even and even she doesn't know how to go back and forth to the right era. I like the characters enough that I can comfortably recommend this. The three best shows of this genre are 
Stardust Telepath, which, just like Shy, has probably one of the most relatable protagonists. And I like her arc over the first three episodes as she's, like, sort of coming out of her shell, learning how to be more sociable. Making friends is not always easy, especially in junior high or high school. So I like that that this one kind of has a positive message. And also, the alien girl is a fun character. And my new boss is Goofy. I think this might be, as Teresa said, like, it's very understated, but it's also just one of the funniest shows that I've seen in quite a while. They're very subtle visual gags and also just dialogue humor, but it just goes such a long way. But also, it's not just a goofy comedy. It's also, there's also some depth to it in our main protagonist unlearning all of the bad habits of like his previous employment and sort of learning that not every boss is as abusive as his former employer. This might actually be top five material. And then the other one, I'm in love with the villainous. Just compared to all of the other villainous anime that we've seen over the past like couple of seasons, this one throws out the rule book and actually tries something new. Which, instead of our main protagonist becoming the villainous and having to sort of retrace her steps and solve her own murder, this time we have just a very silly rom-com that, again, focuses more on the characters and especially in episodes two and three, they get to be more than just stereotypes. We actually get to see them be more vulnerable and we learn things about them that make them more compelling. But also, it is hysterical. And finally, freaking finally, we can talk about the other category, where all the shows that didn't fit into the other categories are put here. This is probably our maybe smallest category, maybe next to the romance and one, where we have... Protocol Rain, which is an esports anime of a group of underdog players who must save their beloved cafe from going under and compete with the big dogs. I feel bad for anyone who is put into the situation of make esports interesting to someone who's not into esports. And this was not it because why not just make an anime about the game that they are playing. Just make references that it's an online game. Kind of like Dot .hack, like Dot .hack Sign, where they make references to the outside world for the most part, but you do not see the characters from the human world. You just see that, you know, they're player avatars and what have you. It's just so generic. It doesn't look great. The bad CGI for the video game looks better than the animation. Ron Kamonohashi's Forbidden Deduction. It sucks that it comes out right after Undead Murder Farce because it's not as good as that one in terms of a mystery thriller. But I do find our two leads, one who is a uh, up-and-coming young detective and the other who is was a prodigy who left the force because of reasons... And at first you're like, ah, it looks like a traditional police procedural, so who cares? 
then you find out that the prodigy can essentially tell people to go kill themselves because he gets so mad about the people who take lives and murder people and what have you. And like, that's why he left. He had to be stopped from killing all of the culprits. And after that, I didn't quite vibe with it enough because it seemed like it just took forever for them to finally set up the mystery of the episode. But by the third episode, you are introduced to a society of detectives and they get interested in the fact that the co-lead is back to solving crimes and such. And I definitely kind of want to see what happens. Now, if you want to talk about an extremely botched premiere the yuzuki family's four sons yeah the yuzuki's family's four sons may have had the worst launch or premiere of any show this season because of the terrible subtitles that it got upon release that ruined any immersion or enjoyment of the show because you couldn't quite tell what the characters were saying So they had to remove the episode and then release it later with new subtitles. And that is a huge friggin' shame because I love this show. I thought the story was enticing about these four brothers who have to take care of one another. And they're all varying ages. Like you have one who's a young adult, the teenager, the preteen, and then the child. And how they all help each other when they really need it. And they dive into like the character drama, the backstory for some of the brothers, and how they interact with not only themselves, but with other people. It's a really sweet show that, oh, I'm so mad that the release of it got screwed over. And this is why you pay translators. Y'all, because whatever they did did not work. And it also has like an amazing opening song sequence and a great song from the same band that did the Kakushi Goto opening sequence. Honestly, that you could really just watch those two together and have a good double feature marathon. And it was just a very lovely show. Just fell in love with it. Miji and Dolly is one of the most unique shows of the season, though. It's by this late author who did Haven't You Heard on Sakamoto-kun. So you know that you're going to have some kind of weird, dark comedy angle to whatever this show is. Don't think I was quite ready for the fact that it's about these two identical twins who cheat the foster care system by getting adopted and having to constantly pretend that they are both one child only for it to start turning into a dark comedy murder mystery of them trying to find out who killed their mom while also still being weird absurd and not as funny as like my new boss is goofy but just really weird in its comedy it really like captivated me with how they were unfolding the story But two of my probably top five favorite shows of the season are in this category where we have Overtake, an original anime about a washed up 
burned out photographer who is just kind of coasting through life doing whatever photography gigs that he can get until he goes to a Formula One racing track and encounters this small unknown team and then finds that new lease on life, that new drive, metaphorical and literal, by wanting to support this small Formula One racing team. And I just love this show. It has great character designs, lovely animation. The racing is well executed. The CGI cars are well composited. And I like the nuance of the characters that are involved, not just with our main team, but with the rival team or like secondary characters or like how they go over stuff like funding and how they bring in money and how to deal with advertisers. It's one of those shows that makes me love anime. Just like with what is probably the best show of this category, The Apothecary Diaries. This beautiful, lush, medical mystery period piece drama about a young girl who gets kidnapped from her countryside home and is sold off to be a servant to the emperor and his four uh, consorts and how goes into the politics of the consorts and the royalty around her while also doing stuff like who's poisoning this one or who's why is this person like this while expanding on the characters in very nuanced ways it's also just a gorgeous looking show. Probably one of the best looking shows of this season. The drama that is in there, like when it hits, it's like perfect. Just, I love this show. I've watched five episodes of it already. And I don't know why the opening is so much about her like doing like dancing. <laughs> but once you get past that part, which is not even a big problem. It's just an interesting observation. You really do just have a super special show. It just shows how anime can be just an incredible medium of storytelling. Teresa, what did you think? This one is, I usually think it's like a stronger category because it's like weirder. But I thought it was just okay as like overall category. But still a lot of winners for sure because they're subverting the genre most of the time kind of mishmashing things together i think i maybe i'm being too generous but i really like protocol rain the only thing i didn't like about it was the actual gaming sequences but everything else i did love about it i love that they needed to like get a team together i like the tension kind of romance between him and the other gamer you who's like a star i like her secret identity i was so confused about the friend hitting on mio but I feel like they're trying to use that to, like, make him a character if he's, like, the clown and things like that. But I really was curious about, like, why did he quit gaming? 
what are these like hints and flashbacks they're showing us? And I like that made me want to watch more episodes of it. So I, that one I really liked. And as you said, the Yuzuki family for sons is just really cute. Episode two with the old man and the youngest kind of bonding and like trying to communicate, I thought was adorable. I don't know why when it started, I was like waiting for something sinister to happen. Maybe it's because after I watched Miji and Dolly, I was like, waiting for something but it's just a wholesome show and very sweet the twins show i liked it made me uneasy (laughs) the whole time which i know is on purpose and i just don't know if i can keep up watching it but it's definitely captivating if you like death note and kind of like really like sinister talking about like motivations those kind of psychological shows i think that this is a good one for you I love the forbidden deduction, but I'm I'm a sucker for a detective show. The Pocket Theory Diaries was like decent. I thought the dub was decent. I like the historical angle and kind of, you know, science isn't fully developed and kind of piecing things together and figuring things out. I thought was really cool. I just like this time period. I noticed but as I was watching, I was like, I want more shows in this time period. Except for obviously the whole kidnapping people into like work labor that part sucks but i do like that they're you know basically she's like against all odds moving up in station whether she likes to or not our main character and that was really cool a surprise that i liked it was overtake because i don't like formula one racing in real life but this show made me like it i'm like fully in i'm like ready to see where these guys go i like that the photographer kind of it's almost like you got an epiphany or like an aha moment, like, you know, seeing the car, seeing how it works. And I just thought the animation was like so strong and on point. It really just immediately, you know, I was captivated by all the characters, even the obnoxious racer guy. I was like, you know what? I'm entertained. So I thought, you know, it's a really strong category, but I don't know. I was thinking I was going to get more unexpected shows of like, you know, that anime feeling where, like, when you watch this, like, what the hell was that? I didn't get that from any of the shows, really, but they were all pretty good quality. Um, And definitely some of my top fives are in there. Uh, Mike, what did you think? I'll say this. There's not a single show in here that I disliked, which is definitely a good thing. I will concede, though, regarding Protocol Rain, it is extremely difficult to make esports interesting. They do the best job they can with the focus on trying to keep this cafe from failing. So that's the whole reason why they're entering this whole tournament. The first three episodes are kind of mostly set up. If that's not your bag, I completely understand. But I think I'm interested just enough that I could keep watching and hoping that things get a little bit more interesting. Everything else ranges from like just good to excellent. I agree with Cameron. It is entirely unfair to, within two different seasons, go from Undead Murder Farce to Ron Kamenohashi's Forbidden Deductions. It's not that the show is bad. It's just, it has a pacing problem. That first episode especially takes a long time for the mystery to like get going. Once the other protagonist kind of gets his feet wet and and gets back into the field, he starts to become a more interesting character than when we are first introduced to him as kind of a wet blanket shut-in who doesn't want to do anything. 
doesn't even have like a TV or computer in his apartment. It's just a room with padded floor. But if you can get past that first episode, I think they could have something here. Like there's a lot of untapped potential. Overtake, a show about Formula One racing that I didn't think I needed. But the more I I watched this, I was really won over by these characters it's not just about racing, although the animation of those racing scenes, a great blend of 2D and 3D animation, but it's just the characters and, you know, seeing what they're like, not just on the track, but, you know, just getting to know them as people. And also the process of like trying to get sponsorships and being on camera when that's not really something you're comfortable with. And even just the cameraman himself, the freelancer who is really trying to make a career for himself. All of their stories are ones that are very easy to root for. And then you have the bizarre murder mystery comedy of Migi and and Dolly. It does have like a slow burn approach to the storytelling, but I think it pays off really well after like, the reveal of how these two kind of cheated the system and were adopted to this family pretending to be one person, probably the most unique out of the bunch. And I really can't wait to see where things go from here. The Yuzuki family's four sons. This one is a pretty simple premise to get behind. But if you are someone who is close to their family, then you will definitely get into this one. Like, the bond that these four brothers have is very sweet. They're very loyal, even though they have their family dysfunctions. But you can tell how much they care about each other over the course of these first three episodes. I think the best one has to be The Apothecary Diaries. It has all the things that I love. It's got gorgeous animation. It's a period piece, and I'm I'm usually pretty into those. And there is a bit of, like, a mystery element to it with our protagonist who, yeah, kidnapped within like the first five minutes, but placed into this world where she gets to use her skills as an apothecary to help the Imperial Palace make medicine, keep on the lookout for poisons, do all of that fun medicinal stuff. But you have a lot of great recommendations from this genre alone. In general, I wanted to say like overall thoughts about the season until the very end. I thought this was a very good season, even without the returning shows that, of course, clog up and take all the spotlights, like with Jujutsu Kaisen, the actual final ending to Attack on Titan happening. It like it had a lot of variety, and that's what I look for in anime seasons. I want to see shows that stand out from the rest. And I mean, that sounds like a normal, typical thing to want, but... With the current ongoing trend of how many shows are getting released and animators getting overworked or picking up whatever license they can, shows how this is not sustainable anymore. How are a lot of licenses that just aren't worth picking up? And how it takes the right studio, the right committee, giving the right creatives all the time that they need to make some of these really, really good shows. Like I think some of these came in 
at the end of the year are some of this year's best shows. And maybe we'll do a breakdown of like our favorite shows or something like that in the future of 2023. For me, it's tough. Which ones would I choose for a top five? I think for me, it would be Free Ren, Beyond Journey's End. My new boss is Goofy. The Apothecary Diaries. Overtake. And the Yuzuki's family's four sons, where I'm in love with the villainous, the 100 girlfriends, Shangri-La Frontier, and Bullbuster are all honorable mentions. Teresa, what did you think about this overall season, and what would your top five be? Overall, I would say consistently finding good new shows so i think that's a bonus you know watching these these all 34 shows or 35 shows that we watch i think that as you said when there's like the right team behind something you can really tell and that's you know a a lesson to other we don't want to just churn things out just because i definitely think of what i kept writing you know category after category was it comes back to the characters and, like, the premise could be good, but if the character's not there, like, Buterev, like, it's just not gonna work out. So I feel like character first and ideally interesting premise together really is, like, how you win. So I think we're just seeing that consistently, and when you really figure that out, you get some really amazing things. So my top five would be Stardust Telepath. Again, that's, like, premise and character together, and just really sweet overtake i think it i had to put it in there just because it made me care about racing and most like live action films don't shy is my top three and then furin beyond journeys in and i'm gonna put forbidden deductions i want to see what happens next that was the one where it really kind of gripped me my honorable mentions would be i'm giving the disgraced noble lady i rescued a crash course in naughtiness my daughter left the nest and returned as an s rank 16-bit sensation, another layer, Shangri-La Frontier, and Kingdom of Ruin for me. Even though it was devastating in the first episode and like the first 10 minutes, I was riveted. I think I was just sick of watching Izakai. So I was just like, well, here's something. So that's those are my honorables. Alrighty, Mike, what did you think about the overall season and what are your top five? On the one hand, 35 shows that we had to cover, that sounds like an exhausting number of of new shows but as i've observed the more shows that we have the greater probability there are for more shows of quality so that's one thing i do appreciate about the large volume that we had to cover and in the spirit of that picking out my top five has not been more difficult to narrow the list down and even the list that i'm about to mention now my mind might change like by the time i hit stop recording but with that said and this is in no particular order i would have to say my top five consists of shy freerin my new boss is goofy apothecary diaries and overtake honorable mentions oh boy we have I'm in Love with the Villainous, 16-Bit Sensation, Bullbuster, The 100 Girlfriends Who Really, 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 Really Love You. Those are the ones that really stand out. That, Like I said, 
this season had a lot to choose from. I hate that we keep having the same argument of stop making so many anime and treat your workers better. Because there are just a lot of good shows. Making a top five was a little easier for me. But not just this season, but this year has been really good. I'd have to look back at everything and see where I would rank it all. Because nothing different or unique about anime. Most shows and films that come out every year, no matter where they come out or are released, aren't good. But the ones that stand out and are good because everything was just working for them, it makes all the difference and shows what can come out of this beautiful realm of art. But I am ready to just go back to summer 2020 where we only need to talk about 10 shows. (laughs) Even though Science Saru, as of recording this, announced a new anime for next year, and it looks really good. (laughs) Yeah. That'll be it for this episode. I don't know what we're doing for the next one, but we have a lot of exciting things to look forward to in the future. But until then, Teresa, where can everyone find you online? You can find me on most well, social platforms at Teresa Electro, Teresa with no H, and tell me what you think about this season. And Cameron, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky at Cam's Eye View. I also have my own website called camseyeview.biz where I review animated films and shows from around the world called The Other Side of Animation. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash camseyeview. That's where you can find me. And you guys can find me on various social media at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at RenPopCulture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Podchaser. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash RenegadePopCulture. Listen to all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. In escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.